Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this final leg of Season 5, I'm reading my way through every single goddamn page in The Revenge of Kang, the final module in the Time Warp Adventure series for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes role-playing game. And as I do, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on each page. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. The Revenge of Kang was written by Ray Winninger and was published in 1990. Today we're discussing page 25 of The Revenge of Kang. So far, we've encountered no revenge and no Kang, but we have, at last, located this adventure's annoying aliens that we don't care about, the Kokri. Last time, our heroes, Ford's Furies, were investigating the giant spire that, they surmise, used to be some manner of beacon when they were interrupted by 15 Kokri who told them that they had trespassed in sacred ground and they had angered the spirits and that's why the beacon wasn't working, so they were under arrest. And Ford's Furies said... We are eager to submit to justice without having to have shock collars put on us. Thank you. And, you know, they were trespassing, and I'm sure Ironblood is going to want to defer to their laws and customs in this matter as much as possible. He has very strong moral character due to his blood's high iron content. Here's what happens back at the Kokri camp. Quote, After waiting approximately one hour, you are led out of your hut and into the Kokri camp, where almost 50 of the strange creatures have gathered. One of the Kokri approaches you. Quote, you have been brought here to stand tribunal for angering the spirits of the tower and violating the sanctity of the shrine. During the tribunal, you will receive an opportunity to make a statement in your favor, but you will not speak until prompted. The penalty for failing to abide by this rule is death. So this is not necessarily going to be a fair trial, but it's going to be fairer than you would expect from jungle people's stereotypes of this magnitude. Ford's Furies go before the tribunal. They have the rules laid out to them. First of all, a designated accuser is going to accuse them. They're going to make a speech explaining what the defendants did and what should happen to them. Then each of the defendants is allowed to make a speech in their defense. Then the Kokri vote and they decide whether the defendants are guilty or innocent. Also, because our heroes aren't from around these parts, they have a legal right to a defender from among the Kokri, which is a very uncharacteristic legal protection for this sort of a system. But yeah, one of the Kokri can speak for them. So this is opened up to the crowd. Hey, does anyone want to defend the interloping heretics? And nobody says yes. And then the Kokri explained to you, if you want to, you can make one of these Kokri speak on your behalf. So you have a choice about whether to do that or just to say, nah, we're good. We'll defend ourselves. In either case, the accuser steps forward, takes the pulpit, begins to rhythmically thump the word of the Kokri Lord and accuses you of crimes against the spirits. Quote, friends, I will make this as brief as possible. I am sure you will agree with me that those who stand accused are guilty and deserve a speedy death under the terms of the code. Apparently, there is a Kokri code, which I love both conceptually and phonetically. Quote, I hereby claim the accused have angered the spirits themselves. We all know that the beacon has been doused. And we all know that we of the Kokri have not missed a single sacrifice. The spirits, therefore, cannot be angry with us. Since these infidels are the only outsiders in the realms, they must be the source of the spirits' ire. I see no possible defense and believe that the only appropriate penalty is instant death in the well of pain. We were talking about pro wrestling earlier. If any of these Kokri ever want to go into pro wrestling and try to take on that sea serpent, then I think they could do a lot worse than ending their promos by telling their opponent that they're going to be facing a journey down the well of pain. I think that would be badass. So now it's time for Ford's Furies to defend themselves. Quote, each of the heroes is allowed to make a speech in his or her defense. This should prove somewhat difficult since the PCs are ignorant about the idiosyncrasies surrounding the primitive religion of the Kokri, making it difficult for them to dispute the accuser's argument. Now, this is where this cool idea gets real rough on the execution level. Quote, according to Kokri custom, 
Any defendants who have not yet spoken are not allowed to hear the speeches of their comrades. This is to ensure that each of the accused will speak in his own words. Simulate the speeches as follows. Have all of the players but one leave the room. Anything that starts with that is pretty much a bad idea. Have all of the players but one leave the room and ask the remaining player to deliver a brief speech in his or her defense. At the conclusion of the speech, ask the player to make a remarkable intensity reason feat roll to determine how forcefully his or her character delivered the rhetoric. Now, remarkable reason feats, as we have seen, are not necessarily easy to make. Very tough if you have under a remarkable reason, dicey even if you do have a remarkable reason, and incredible plus reason scores are quite rare. Fortunately, there are bonuses that you can get. There are two particular arguments you can make that are pretty effective, according to the author, and they give you column shift bonuses. First of all, if you point out that actually there could be another outsider here, they're not the only ones because they did see another time ship, then that's worth a two column shift bonus to your reason. Also, the speaker receives, quote, a plus one column shift bonus if he or she attempts to explain that the light atop the spire is only a navigational beacon and that there really are no spirits. Brilliant. How better to persuade this theocratic tribunal than to tell them that their religion is wrong? This is like if you were, you know, a teenager going to a religious school and you got busted for some kind of infraction of the code of conduct and you tried to explain to the principal like, hey man, it's no big deal. God's not real. That's the wrong move. Makes things worse. But in this case, apparently it's persuasive. These people are just ready and waiting. They're, they're ripe on the branch waiting to abandon their primitive faith. So anything you can do to just kind of nudge them, I guess is going to be very effective. And then the judge can award optionally a plus one to plus three column shift bonus, depending on just how much they liked what you said. And then depending on what color result you get, you get a certain number of points toward arguing the team's case. If you get a failure, a white result, you get one point. If you get a green result, you get two points. If you get a yellow result, you get three points. And if the result is red, you get five points. Except, of course, that because of the way the intensity rules work, Characters with an effective reason of remarkable can't benefit from green results, and characters with an effective reason of under-remarkable can only get points from red results. That's a problem with this scorekeeping system that occurs because the author doesn't understand the intensity rules. It's been a minute, but take a drink. So this isn't likely to be very material, depending on how nice the judge is going to be to you, and that's part of the problem here. I have a number of issues with the implementation. This this is all fucked up. Number one, and the biggest of all, just on the purely social level, you're disrupting the game to make all the players leave. There might be up to six players here. Five of you gotta go. Just one player and I will sit here, and that player will make a speech in character to just me. Then I will subjectively decide how much I liked it. Then, without being told what that person said, I bring in one more player. So that, in a six-person group, one poor motherfucker who thought they were gonna roleplay tonight has to leave the room and just hang out while everybody else gradually gets to go in one by one. And then after five people have given and mechanically resolved stirring speeches, then number six has to come in to give a stirring speech to what is no doubt a morbidly bored audience at this point. And then finally play can proceed. So already before we even get into mechanics, just the setup at the table is such a bad idea. Then you're making reason rolls, which I think, especially given all the reason rolls you had to do, back at the spire. Reason, which is already a dubious choice for oratory before a crowd, should not have been the stat here, or at least not the exclusive stat. You've already made so much contingent upon high reason. Whoever in the group has that high reason score, if there is someone, hopefully, they've been doing all the work in the spire, they've been getting all the attention, and now this is all going to be on them. You can get positive column shifts, 
But you have to, number one, guess the very specific things that the author wants you to bring up, including the possibility of their religion being false, which is not a tack I would have thought to take. Uh, and by the way, there's no mentioned way to like ascertain this. It's not like a clue you can find. It's just in the author's mind, I guess that's the best argument. And therefore, if the players agree that that's the best argument, then they get a bonus. And then you get a big plus one to plus three bonus if the judge just likes the way you deliver your speech. And again, because of the problem with how the intensity rules work, if you happen to have a group with low reasons, like if nobody in the group, God forbid, has even a remarkable reason, you're only getting points from red results, unless you can get some bonuses from some of these column shifts. And even then, if you get your reason up to remarkable, you know, if you started it typical, and you managed to get it up to like, good, and then excellent, and then remarkable, you've got three column shifts stacked up here. You know, maybe you said everything the GM wanted you to say, but then just in terms of your delivery, they just weren't feeling it. You still get nothing for a white or a green result, which is the likeliest outcome. So up and down, this does not work as a piece of design. As a legal proceeding determining the fate of our friends Ford's Furies, it works a treat because it turns out that our friend Ironblood is a hell of an orator because of his blood's high iron content. He's rolling reason here. He's got an incredible reason. He's a logical individual who spent a lot of time examining that timeship, so he's certainly going to mention the possibility of other visitors here. So if he can really roleplay this and manage to squeeze out a plus two column shift for delivery from the judge, he can get himself up to an effective shift Y oratory skill. So he, he is exactly the person you want in your corner when a jury is deciding whether to throw you in the well of pain. Uh, Scoop is not going to do as well here. Scoop has poor reason. Cub Scout's going to do fine. And All Ears is going to do well too, because All Ears has a good reason and the performer skill. Keeping in mind, keeps coming up in this book. All Ears, remember, was a pro wrestler before he started to work through his issues and that triggered his mutation into a being made of all ears. So he maintains that ability to read a crowd and deliver a promo. And what is addressing a jury, if not cutting a promo? So Ford's Furies are absolutely going to nail this. Once all of the PCs have spoken, the Kokri vote on the hero's guilt or innocence. You add up all the numbers that everybody got, see how many total points the team has, and then you divide the total number of points by the number of players who are here. Before you divide, though, you subtract two if they forced one of the Kokri to speak in their defense because the Kokri don't want to and having one of them try to defend you just makes it worse. Which again is like, it makes sense, but it would equally make sense if the moral of the story were if you're in an unfamiliar culture and legal system and they have a specific provision for you to have a local defend you, then maybe don't just decline that help and go in blind trying to defend yourself. Certainly that would be the correct choice in our legal system here in the United States, but you just have to guess. You just have to guess what the author thought was the right choice. Anyway, if you meet the threshold of 1.5 points or greater, they don't exactly find you innocent, but instead of throwing you directly in the well of pain, they call for a trial by deed. And the Kokri will explain to you what this means is they're going to give you three tests. And if you can pass all three tests, then you must be innocent in the eyes of the spirits. Uh, but if you fail any of the tests, then obviously you're guilty and into the well of pain you go. If you don't hit the benchmark, that 1.5, then you're found guilty and sentenced to death in, you guessed it, the Well of Pain. We are going to have occasion to talk about the Well of Pain later, but in this instance, Ford's Furies have escaped its maw. They have done really well on their oratory. I mean, rolling a shift Y for persuasion, that's that's legendary. And and that was just enough for the Kokri to say, well, I mean, you make a, like a superlatively good point. Like, if oratory were airspeed, that would be like Mach 2 or 3 that you just did. So we'll just put you through an almost inevitably lethal ordeal. How about that? Yet another problem with this system, which is that if you really nail it, there's no way out that feels rewarding for that. If you're rolling shift Y, persuasion and oratory, and you roll a 100, 
you get a red result on that and you rack up so many points. If everybody gets five points on the team, you absolutely nail it. You get 20 total points. You don't choose the public defender. You don't engage at the services of the co-create public defender. So you get to keep all 20 points. You divide it. You've got five points. You have to hit 1.5 not to be found guilty and you hit five. They still sentence you to the ordeals. So that's unsatisfying as well. The dumbest thing on this page is this whole speech setup. And it's really a shame too, because it's a good idea. Trial scenes are great. Although, let me just take a moment to say how dare you put this scene in the adventure after Two-Gun Kid has already entered and left our lives. Two-Gun Kid should have been here for this. But aside from that, the trial scene is a good idea. Giving these little speeches is a good idea. It's just that the implementation, uh, just a few tweaks would have really made this work. We'll probably talk about this in the wrap-up for this book, but this is a scene that I love conceptually and hate in terms of implementation. So very disappointing. Dumbest thing on this page. Speaking of disappointments, our heroes, in addition to being sentenced to the ordeals, despite killing it in Life or Death Debate Club, all of them but Iron Blood are also starting to feel a little bit ill because all of them, except Iron Blood, whose skin is impenetrable to insects because of his blood's high iron content, have come down with the dreaded bug disease. They've got bugitis. They're having big bug problems. Every one of them is minus one now, minus one column shift to their fighting, agility, strength, and endurance until chapter goddamn 13. This does mean that all ears, who has a feeble strength, being as he is, ears, now I guess can't move. I don't know what happens when you have zero strength. At agility zero, it seems you can't move. You would think that at zero strength, you also couldn't move. He does have his little wheelie bobber for getting around. That's automated. He probably has the strength to, you know, manipulate it, manipulate the control. So he's doing, he's going to be better off here than a person who typically walked under their own power. I think he can like follow the group, but I don't think he's doing shit until he recovers from this devastating case of bugitis. So I hope he wasn't speech number four in this scene, because if so, his player just sat in the other room waiting for three other players to give stirring speeches, then came in and gave one speech, found out that he was declared innocent, but we're still going to kill you and then shipped off to participate, quote-unquote participate, in these three trials while actually unable to move. But it's sure a good thing we included those bugs. They're vital to the narrative moving forward. They're not. There is no more bug-itis content in this adventure. Anyway, there's no more time for complaining, no more time for excuses, no more time for bug-itis. The tribunal has made its decision, and it is now time for the test of skill. Join me next time for that on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact me however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. This episode's music, used under Creative Commons license, is Take Us to the Nearest Starbase by Astrometrics, whose work you can find at soundcloud.com slash astrometricsband.